The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome. You've entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simran Singh. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Learn to empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simran Singh. At 4 feet 4 inches, Julie Von Genovese is small, but what she lacks in stature she makes up for in warmth, perseverance, and wit. Genovese was born with spondyloepiphyseal dysplasia, a form of dwarfism characterized by degenerative arthritis. After years of pain and quiet suffering, both physical and emotional, Genovese realized that only she controlled her own happiness. I'd like to welcome Julie Von Genovese to 1111 Talk Radio. Thank you, Simran. Hi. It is wonderful to have you, and you have come out with a beautiful book, a, a wonderful story that really captures your experience and, to me, touches the heart of the reader in a way that um, whether or not they're experiencing the identical thing that you have experienced, mm-hmm. it exists in their lives in some way, and that book is called Nothing Short of Joy. And I really want to applaud you for bringing this forward so that people can realize that regardless of our circumstance, regardless of what we're going through, we all do experience a lot of the same feelings and emotions. Yes, that is so true, and it was such an eye-opening understanding when I realized that my story was actually a universal story, when I had spent so many years feeling isolated and radically different and that I would never fit in, and then I come to find out that, that those feelings are shared by by most children and definitely teenagers, and, and if we don't you know, eventually look inside, sometimes it's carried long into adulthood. Well, and I think that oftentimes um, our biggest angels are those human beings that will show up in a way, such as you have, um, that is very unique and different to get us <laughs> to take notice. You know, so often those that we call average or normal, if there is such a thing, right. you know, we think we're living that, that story all by ourselves, but we need that wake-up call to see, you know, other people and their experiences and their stories so that we can become empowered. So I really applaud you for bringing forward this information and letting us all see ourselves in you and let us, letting us all see the beauty in you as well. Oh, thank you. And letting me see myself in, in others. That's been a wonderful gift for me. So tell me how this whole book developed. What was the catalyst that really spurred you to decide, I need to write about how I finally uh, claimed my joy? Mm. I was not a writer. I was an artist. And... I um, had a a freelance art business, and suddenly my right shoulder became so painful from arthritis. I'd already had two hips replaced and two knees replaced, so um, I knew what was happening, but I just went whirling backward into my old views about myself and that life isn't fair and that my body was going to ruin everything, and I really went back into some darkness that I had thought I had 
extricated myself out of. And in that time, I started writing because I was so depressed and I was so feeling stuck again in my old self, my small self. And as I wrote, I started to feel better. And not only emotionally, but physically, my right shoulder started uh, jumping in the writing. I was using my my left hand on the keyboard because that was the only way I could write. I wasn't using my, my right hand at all. And as I wrote, and as I shared also with friends and family, some of the things I had been keeping a secret for so many years, and I thought that they made me weak. And as I exposed that and, and became more authentic about the fears I was looking at and the, the darkness I'd been through, I had this incredible healing. And, and it was as I was writing, I realized, you know, this has been the best therapy ever, and I'd been through a lot of different types of therapy, that I wanted to share it because this understanding that anything that looks horrible and difficult really can lead us to our bigger, brighter selves, and I was seeing it firsthand. So it was very exciting um, to start writing it and thinking, I can share this and I can, I can be a part of, of using my pain and bringing it to other people as meaning and purpose and joy. It's so true that oftentimes our biggest fear is our greatest breakthrough. And most often the thing that we don't want to claim is that very thing that when we embrace it, Mm -hmm. we do heal and we find the gift in it. For those people that don't understand what uh, spondyloepiphyseal dysplasia is, can you give me a little bit of background on what that is and what that was like growing up as a child? Well, it's one of uh, 200 different types of dwarfism. There are many. And this particular condition comes with arthritis, generally. It, uh, spondylo means spine. Epiphyseal is the growing part of the bone. And dysplasia means there's a, a problem in that area, basically. And so my long bones did not grow. My, my torso is basically proportional to the rest of my body. Everything is small. Whereas some other forms of dwarfism, the torso is average, and the reason for their short stature is uh, shortened limbs. So they're all different forms, but for me, it just made me stick out like a sore thumb. I was much smaller than others. I couldn't move very easily. My joints hurt. They were bent. They were arthritic very early on in my life. And I um, I found a lot of uh, negativity with being different. People stared. They, they still stare, but back, back then it was even more pronounced because I was running from it. Like you said, I was not embracing that difference. I was trying to hide I wanted to fit in in any way I could, and I completely defined myself by the way I was seen, you know, through other people's eyes and through the doctor's definition of me, which was very clinical and often cold, and the words were very potent, like deformed and um, abnormal, birth defect. So all those words swimming around, and then, of course, the names I got when people were teasing me, my definition was very, very negative, and I completely related that my body was me. I was nothing bigger than that. But that also became the very catalyst that caused me to go inside. I got so tired of feeling different and alone that when I started to listen to this love and, and peace that is, is way deep within us and sometimes buried by those, those traumas, that was uh, the beginning of realizing that my opinion of myself was solely based on the world. And when I started to base it on my spirit and on who I was, that's when my life started to turn around. 
Well, let's back up a second because I think you said something very, very important, and it's about the languaging of our society and how, as a child, initially those terms and words or even the energy from the emotion of other people, we pick that on. We're very sensitive beings at a very young age. Mm -hmm. And so that all of that type of terminology and experience, it it didn't allow you to see the beauty at that point. Because no, all it pointed that. out was this this side that perhaps was not like everybody else. So <laughs> if it's not like everybody else, then it can't possibly be right. Yes, and there was definitely a lot of unspoken messages that differences will always make us less than and that the doctors were certainly trying, um, with all best intentions, they didn't realize, but they're trying to eliminate this from the future. They want to help other children and other parents to not face what I'm facing, and that message was very harsh because I, why would I want to not be, to not exist? And at that point, I only related to my body as me. So um, it was so... It was very debilitating, but really in the long run, all these messages that we get that are against our our core self, they go counter to it, really become the, um, the, the, the springing off point where we do start to realize we have to go inside to know who we are because we're not going to know who we are through other people's eyes, especially if the messages are negative. Most definitely, and the purpose that comes through our life, through us, oftentimes does stem from an experience of pain. You had to experience both emotional pain and the physical pain. You had arthritic pain, Mm -hmm. numerous brain surgeries, um, recovery from countless operations, and Mm -hmm. then even just growing experienced much pain. How did you handle the pain aspect? How did you coach yourself or Mm -hmm. support yourself in moving through those very difficult times before you got to the place where you knew you had a choice? Mm -hmm. Physical pain was actually easier to deal with than the emotional pain. And it was also a reflection of it, I believe. Looking back now, I see so many patterns where life was difficult and then my physical pain would get worse because it, it sort of builds up inside, those secrets and that shame. It becomes physiological so that we are not only carrying the physical problem, which was my joints did not have the space they needed, but the emotional baggage. And so I, I believe that's, in, in essence, to help us discover what is it. Do we want to carry this pain and this, um, this emotional, uh, these difficulties that we've gone through? Because for me, I became somewhat desensitized about the physical pain. It was something I lived with all the time. Um, doctors would say, oh, wow, you have a high tolerance. Now, I didn't know what that meant. I thought that was a compliment, that, so I, I took it as a good thing. But they said, you have a very high tolerance for pain. And I realized over time it was just because I got used to it. We all sort of are looking out through our own lenses. I didn't know that other people, when I was very young, I didn't realize others did not feel what I felt. And we didn't share it in our family. So I did not have the vocabulary to say what was different or what I was feeling that maybe someone else wasn't feeling. And as I got older and realized, oh, other people's joints work a lot better and they don't hurt at night if they've done too much during the day or they don't, um, their knees don't dislocate. 
So the physical pain and the differences started to become more and more exaggerated when I realized other people didn't have them. And then that exaggerated the emotional pain of separation. So for me, the physical pain, it's not fun, but it really is a messenger to say, you know, look at what's happening when, when the pain becomes more intense and to, to start to find peace inside and settle down and relax. And that's always the greatest the greatest healer is the relaxation and the acceptance that this too shall pass. My guest today is Julie Bond Genovese, author of Nothing Short of Joy. Genovese's personal experience through life's grand rites of passage is applicable to anyone facing life's obstacles. Her revelations, featured in this book, Nothing Short of Joy, provides guidance for standing tall in the world and living fearlessly. Through her journey, the author realized the only thing that stood in the way of her dreams was her own disbelief. A joyful, self-empowered life is not dependent on circumstances, but on attitude. Challenges help rekindle her spirit and carve out big dreams. When you can't stop the rain, calm the inner storm instead. This book has been endorsed by many wonderful leading spiritual teachers, such as Dr. Wayne Dyer, who says nothing short of joy is a masterpiece that will take you out of your comfort zone and into a magical world of joy. I love this book. I love this woman. Read it and reap. And I definitely agree. You can connect with, you can connect with Julie Genovese at her website, nothingshortofjoy.com. And we'll be right back in a few minutes to hear more of this wonderful inspirational gift on the planet named Julie Genovese. Your online community for positive change. Seventh Wave Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Voice America Network proudly presents The Catherine Zox Show for women, men, children, and families. Catherine magically combines her compassion, experience, and talent to bring listeners a show that's upbeat, informative, and yes, a little sassy. Tune in every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America channel. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. 7th Wave Network.
are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. The word dwarf was a difficult word for Julie Bon Genovese. Her diminutive stature carries labels that seem to make her world just as small. Insensitive bullies called her shrimpy, whittle midgy, and in her formative years, Genevieve saw herself as a freak. Yet her biggest fear throughout life was not the teasing and adversity she experienced, but the fear of never finding happiness. Through her journey, Julie Genovese, author of Nothing Short of Joy, realized that the only thing that stood in the way of her dreams was her own disbelief. A joyful, self-empowered life is not dependent on circumstances, but on personal attitude. Challenges help rekindle the spirit and carve out big dreams. And when you can't stop the rain, calm the inner storm instead. I'd like to welcome Julie back to 1111 Talk Radio. You truly are an inspiration, and I can't imagine, even though you're saying that the physical pain was not... The, the most difficult pain to go through. It was more of the emotional. I, I can only imagine that handling both of those um, did have uh, their moments in really taking you down into the dark, depth, deep places. That's and true. <laughs> uh, and being, being a situation where many people may not know how to get out of that. So were there certain pivotal events that helped you start to realize that you were in charge of your own joy, or what was the catalyst? Mm, the, really the awakening for me was uh, working at a bookstore where it was just filled with personal growth stories and, and self-help teachers. And I, I started reading those books and, and noticing the, the common theme was that I could change my circumstances, not my dwarfism, but my circumstances by, by changing how I reacted to what was happening in my life. And that, in fact, my belief based on the reality I, I had lived, but nonetheless, my beliefs now were continuing to recreate that same reality. I began to expect that things would not go well and to expect that people would treat me as less than. And so I had become part of the problem. And, and I know a lot of people who first think about that or read that idea, it feels like blame, like they had created this negativity, but it's not. It's really about being able to take responsibility, and it's so empowering to find these different ways of rethinking what's, what's happened in your life. That's, such, an, really, that's such an important point, Julie, that, that we don't put it back as blame on ourselves. We don't say you mm-hmm. did something wrong because you're creating your life in this way, but really recognizing that there's a responsibility in our yeah. thoughts and our words and our actions to change our experience into something that we truly desire. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Mm-hmm. And it's exciting. There were definitely times, and it still happens, when something doesn't go the way I hope, and I feel, I feel um, struck down again, and I think I've done something wrong to create this situation that I don't like. And then, of course, over time, as I look at it and realize that it's just a helpful little reminder to, to perceive the things in the way that's going to be helpful, not hurtful, to say, no, I'm going to find meaning in this, as I always have. I'm going to bring out the best in whatever's happened, and it will ripple out also helping other people to realize that even though we can't see the big picture and something is, is difficult right in front of us, 
if we keep just staring at it as if it's the worst thing, as if it's punishment or blame, it, it makes it harder to, to come out of it. So as I've, over time, when I've seen every time that I've been in a hard spot and going through that ringer again brings some something even brighter, that just keeps confirming to me that, yes, we really do have a choice. The choice is a very, very important part, Julie, because we have to get to the place where we're really willing to have a different experience. Mm-hmm. But in, in the steps of getting to that place, what was some of the negative self-talk that you were plagued with? Because I think listeners could really identify with some of the same thoughts and words that you were probably saying to yourself. Mm-hmm. I believed that the, my dwarfism was, was a curse. And I believed that I would always be not as good as an average body person, but later came to realize through my friends and family that they were feeling that same thing, that they didn't fit in, that whatever it was they didn't like about themselves kept them separate, and even more so because they didn't want to share it, because that would look like a weakness. And our society doesn't really encourage that kind of sharing of saying um, what we feel makes us not good enough and what we feel will keep us down in life or that we're not talented. I know a friend of mine would always was told she was the big one. There were two sisters, and she was the big one. And she really wasn't, but she was tall, and she was bigger than the other sister. And this just became a heavy load for her. And eventually she gained a lot of weight, and she became the big one in her mind, and that that would keep her from having a... a a, a full, rich life. So it, it doesn't matter what it is, but it is that, that self-talk that, that does need to be reprogrammed to, instead of say what's wrong, talk about what's right. You know, a lot of things were going well in my life. I just didn't focus on them, and I kind of edited out the good stuff because I was so sure that I had to look at the bad in order to fix it. And I had to fix myself because I was clearly broken in the doctor's eyes and in other people's eyes. And so it was my own focus that was really keeping me stuck for a long time. And as I started to focus on what I did like about me, I, I remember thinking, well, I'm, I'm a good friend to my friends. I, I know how to listen and um, be there. So there were things, and as I started to focus on those little parts, None of them were physical initially because I could not find anything good about me physically, but I looked inside at my character, and then I wanted to bring out more of that and offer more of that to the world. Well, and and you've brought up a lot of good points in that that short segment, so I want to go back and, and mention some of those again so that listeners can identify. And one of those is in the analogy of the friend, because so often when we hear things from other people and we take it on as our own, that is, that thought and that feeling is how we make it real for us. We prove yeah. to ourselves that we are that, just mm-hmm. as your friend did. Mm-hmm. And and so often the place that we attack ourselves first is the physical, because it's what we see. Yeah. And, and in doing that, your method of going to some of the other parts, the character parts of who you were, had to be the stepping stones of getting yourself to a place that you could then start to embrace the physical. I I know that when that physical part started to enter in, um, you would start even small, things like, I love my wrists, or (laughs) my ears aren't so bad. And and sometimes that's where we need to go. We need to find the tiny little places. My fingers are are a certain way, or or something like that, just something that we can hold on to until we can get to that next best step. Mm -hmm. Talk about that mirror. 
Yes. I started also to feel that as I um, believed in my inner self and as I believed that there was there was goodness to share, I saw in the mirror someone changing, and I did start to like myself. It was an interesting thing because nothing physically had changed, but I saw a different person. I saw someone who was was uh, more complete inside because I was connecting with what was working and what was real to me uh, in my character and in my spirit. And I think as we do align with our bigger self, we do start to love who we are on all levels. And suddenly my body didn't look quite so bad to me. It looked unique. I thought it was interesting. Um, it it was um, a spotlight that I had to learn to accept that I'd be there. I'd be in people's vision. Maybe that was part of my purpose. Maybe it was something I didn't think I wanted, but sometimes when that's the hand we're dealt, there is a teacher in there that is saying, maybe we can redirect you to believe that you are worthwhile to be out in, in public and in plain view. Instead of always diving away from attention, I could embrace that and accept that I was I was this billboard for differences, but if I believed in who I was, other people could then believe as well and see that differences are, that's okay. <laughs> and, and that does take a certain degree of courage. It takes the willingness to say I can be someone beyond who I think I have been. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and, and desperation <laughs> because I got to the point where I was just tired of this living in that fear and not being out in the world and treating the world as an unsafe place instead of a place that I belonged and that I was one with my fellow humans instead of separate, because that's not our true self. And so, of course, it feels bad to separate ourselves. So as I started to move out and it became more comfortable and even a wonderful feeling to connect with others and realize how similar we were and that we had never been that different, and this huge distraction that our body is, is really just that. It's a distraction, and it's a, it's a game. It's kind of like um, a puzzle to see that we are this huge self that's kind of hidden behind the physical self. And once we realize and embrace that, that it's just um, our costume helps us get where we want to go, but it doesn't have to be uh, the only, the only like, signpost of who we are. Well, and it's kind of like two sides of a coin or two sides of a sword. You know, it is really all about me, but not, but then it's not. You know, it's, it's all about yeah. me and what I'm here to learn and grow and evolve and discover about myself. Mm-hmm. But it's not all about me and what I'm willing to believe about myself from what I've been shown and taught by others. Right, right. And what we're shown becomes sort of a... We believe that's reality. We believe, or I I believed that the way people saw me was the way it was. And then I kept sort of repeating that instead of believing that, well, that was the way it was then, but that doesn't have to be my future. That was the reaction I got from the way I ran from things. And, of course, when I would run from, say, someone teasing me, that became more exciting to them, and so they were drawn to me. I was like a magnet for that, and, it, and that continued a lot. Well, now that doesn't happen because I don't expect it. And my expectations were so powerful back then, I just seemed to draw out the bullies <laughs> from every corner. And now that I, I um, feel so differently about myself and know that I am the one sort of calling those shots, 
it doesn't happen anymore. I can't think of the last time that someone just stopped me and started asking questions or laughed at me. I get a lot of stares, of course, but that's, you know, I don't quite fit in physically, and that's fine. But the, the brutality, really, that ended, and it was really because I ended it in my own head. I was not going to look for that anymore. Julie Genovese's life is a perfect illustration of how when we change our thoughts, we change our reality. Nothing Short of Joy, her book, chronicles Genovese's struggle to break free from negativity and feelings of inadequacy and learn to love herself. Despite being surrounded with caring friends and a loving family, it was not until her 20s that Genovese realized that her physical limitations did not define her. This wonderful book, Nothing Short of Joy, has been applauded by various leading teachers in the consciousness industry, along with physicians and other individuals that lead the empowerment movement, such as Bernie Siegel, Christian Northrup, Alan Cohen, Susan Page, and Dr. Wayne Dyer. Christian Northrup says, Julie Genovese's story is eloquent and moving, proof that our spirits are always intact and always whole, regardless of how things appear physically. Hers is a fascinating and thoroughly readable story of courage and triumph. You can connect with Julie Genovese on her website, nothingshortofjoy.com, and we'll be right back with a little bit more of this inspiring story. Listening on a Higher Dimension, 7th Wave Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine. A daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Women in business today face many challenges in advancing their careers and reaching their goals. There are corporate executives, entrepreneurs, and business owners that have made their mark in business. Now you can learn their secrets and tips. Listen to Women Mean Business as your host, Bonnie Marcus, explores how to thrive in the business environment, navigate the workplace, and climb the corporate ladder. Listen live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and effectively promote yourself today. Be extraordinary. Seventh Wave Network. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. Julie Genovese endured severe arthritis pain, brain surgeries, and recovery from countless operations. Even puberty brought pain, forcing Genovese to accept the body of a woman when she had the height of a small child. Through the years, she learned that maintaining the pretty smile to cover up her desire to be considered normal was her choice alone. As career, marriage, and motherhood unfolded, Genovese would discover that her body had not been in her way. In fact, it had shown her the way to the very joy and happiness she was seeking. 
She is the author of Nothing Short of Joy, and you can connect with her at nothingshortofjoy.com. Welcome back, Julie. Thank you. As you continue to change your belief system, to change Mm -hmm. your heart-centeredness about yourself, and to open up to not only the light about yourself, but being willing to dive into the darkness of what you had thought about yourself, Mm -hmm. how did you see that outside world, that outside landscape shift? Wow. Well, as I was saying before, it it changed radically in that I don't run into people who treat me as a specimen anymore. And in fact, I don't even run into doctors. I've I've found, and the medical world is changing in the way they look at people as a whole system instead of just a body. I I'm just amazed at the the way we've been able to partner in surgeries and in in times when my body needs help instead of my being um, just a guinea pig for them. <laughs> so that's been a big change. That's not just the way I've seen things. I believe the medical world really is changing. But I still hear stories of people who find doctors who just want to be the, the god and the, the, uh, determine all the rules. So I know that I, I find doctors that are the opposite and that really want to learn this um, holistic model of, of healing so that we can heal all levels, not just try and change what the body's doing, but take the body as a teacher who has these messages of what's going on. And usually if there is illness or some difficulty, it it is reflected in stress in our life or in emotional difficulties. So that's been such a wonderful full circle for me to see how much it changed that I used to see the doctors as the enemy to finding them as allies. They enabled me to walk again. They fixed the condition um, where my face was always contorted. And then I had two cesareans. So my most, my most wonderful surgeries and, and my two great boys that I have today. So I have seen such big changes in my outer circumstances because I started to look at things differently and I wanted to find that that outer reflection that I was indeed changing inside and then I saw that it was changing my outside experience as well. And that's a very important uh, point to note for people that are encountering physicians or experiences that may not be the most loving or the most supportive. It has Mm -hmm. so much to do with how we view that doctor or how we view the medical system or that fear that we don't have control in any way, shape, or form over Mm -hmm. who we are or our lives. And so that God complex shows up in doctors that, that, (laughs) that approach us because we've decided that we don't have the power. We are the victim in that situation. And that illustration is further enhanced by how when you changed your mindset, you now also opened up the realm to only receive the supportive ones or the ones that were willing to look holistically and lovingly at the situation, again, rather than just the body. Exactly. This degree of self-love that you stepped into, it also brought other experiences. It brought love and children and mm-hmm. uh, opened the doors for those types of things to, to come into play as well. Mm-hmm. And I never expected <laughs> that I would find a partner in life or that my strange little body could have babies and and because I had such issue with boys growing up they seemed to particularly delight in in taunting me and um, teasing that as I started to want that connection and that love and understanding from one other person I couldn't 
figure out how was that going to work because they all seem to have such a big issue with me and with my body. And, and because society has those beautiful airbrushed, you know, woman's body that I look nothing like, and I didn't like my body, how was I going to find someone else who would accept me? And but then when I saw that was my constant dialogue with myself, was that I wasn't worthy, I wasn't good enough, I started to change it. I started to write different affirmations or just to write what I was thinking and to realize, well, it's not the truth. It's just what I think, and I can change what I think. If there's ever been anyone in the world who's found love, I can too. So when I started to change that and look out in a different way that I did have things to offer, I did have beauty inside me, and maybe even outside. Maybe it was just the way I looked at me. And when I really started to get a handle on that I felt worthy enough and that I believed I was lovable, I met my husband. And he, of course, had his own issues. Everyone does. So I don't know why I was thinking other people are perfect and expect a perfect body or expect a perfect situation. That's really not it. There's a, there's a magnetism that goes well beyond that. And he saw in me something he was longing for. And I saw that in him. And we were a match. You know, we had lots of, lots of commonalities and, and this wonderful chemistry together. And we've been together 15 years now and have two, two fantastic little boys who have, you know, taught me more about life than probably anything else. So I'm, I'm so thankful that I started to read those books that gave me the hope and the possibilities that I could have what I, what I longed for and what I, what would bring joy, and, and that it came from actually finding the joy inside first. One of the most touching statements in the book was where there was a dialogue, and uh, it was about um, the twitching, and, and you made a comment that, you know, doesn't the twitching bother you? And mm-hmm. the, re- the reply back was, it only bothers me when it bothers you. <laughs> yes. And I thought, you know, that if, if people just got that one statement, because really... Other things don't bother other people. It's when it bothers us so much that our agitation, our anxiety, that energy gets onto them, and so then they notice it and feel it. So that was yeah. there's such little nuggets throughout this book that I think, you know, if, if a person really breathes them in and, and takes them into their spirit, they can realize the great depths of beauty that they have, and not focusing on these things that they think are so big. <laughs> yes, exactly. Thank you, Simran. I appreciate that. Well, it is it is definitely uh, an eye opener because I think every, particularly women, we have such a way of nitpicking ourselves to death. Oh yeah, yeah. And we're so hard on ourselves, and this exterior reflection of violence that's going on in our world, it really is just a mirror for the the level of violence that we uh, place upon ourselves through negative self talk, through the way we treat ourselves, through the way mm. we uh, give ourselves things or don't give ourselves things. And so, you know, whenever we can hear that message of inspiration or self-love or overcoming obstacles that we have self-created, it is, it is such a good message to take in. Is that what you're wanting for this book to accomplish, or what is your goal for this book? Oh, gosh, yes, that and, and <laughs> everything we've been talking about, too, to share this discovery that I've made. And, and it, it's over and over and over again because it's an ongoing process. It's not as if I reached this pinnacle of joy and never to go back again. I think we continue to travel those old worn paths of, of doubt at times and then are able to once again keep choosing 
joy, keep choosing to believe in ourselves instead of the past that maybe didn't work out the way we hoped, but we can use that now. Because so many things that didn't work out, like we were silent in my family and I was silent about my issues. And now to be able to be speaking about them and um, have these opportunities to share it is is doubly exciting because I was in a place of silence and shame. And I think that life always will offer those full circles for us and a way to balance out what we were either not given or what we didn't give ourselves. There's going to be ample opportunity, and there's no shortage of inspiration out there. When I was reading books by you know Wayne Dyer and Christian Northrup, and they were my they were my mentors. And there's just the internet is is flooded with shows like this where we can really be inspired and be uplifted and know that we're in this together. We really we have each other to lean on and to grow with. Most definitely, I, th- I think that. It's it's our own personal responsibility to access the teachers and the tools we need for our self-healing. Mm-hmm. And when we don't do that, we are allowing ourselves to claim that place of disempowerment and victimhood. And and there's no one really to uh, put that on other than ourselves <laughs> when we go there. <laughs> so I, I often find that, uh, and I'm going to leave this this particular question to the next uh, the next segment, but I'll go ahead and put it out there. I often find that our children choose us, and they choose us partially because of the lessons that they need to learn, and they choose us because of the lessons we were here to learn that we can bring the wisdom forward towards them. Mm-hmm. So in the next segment, I'd love to hear what you feel your children chose you for and what the <laughs> lessons are that they're here to learn. Okay. I am with uh, Julie Genovese, author of Nothing Short of Joy. You can Connect with her at nothingshortofjoy.com. This book chronicles her struggle to break free from negativity and feelings of inadequacy and learn to love herself. Despite being surrounded with caring friends and a loving family, it was not until her 20s that she realized her physical limitations did not define her. In moving beyond her own limiting beliefs, in establishing a better attitude, a new attitude, in allowing herself to carve out big dreams and calming her inner storm, she's been able to unleash many gifts upon this planet, some of which have been her writing, her artwork, and her children. I am with Julie Genovese with NothingShortOfJoy.com, and we'll be right back with a little bit more. The new home for visionary positive change. Seventh Wave Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine. A daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. What is whole person healing via body, via mind, and via spirit? 
It's a dedication to the widest selection of healing practices worldwide whenever possible. Hosted by Professor Rustam Roy, a noted material scientist and the founder of Friends of Health, who will be here each weekend with the most in-depth information about whole person healing from the world's leading practitioners, spokespersons, and major supporters for this viewpoint. Tune in every Saturday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Zoom Leadership. It's the big picture issues of the day, up close and personal capabilities of leadership, and a desirable future of constant renewal. Zoom Leadership. It's the economic crisis made clear, patterns and perspectives of leadership, and the importance of changing the way we pursue our future. Join host John Schmidt every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Zoom Leadership. An inside look at what's really going on in business, government, and civil society. Tune in every week on the Voice America Business Channel. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll free at 1 866 472 5795. Again, 1 866 472 5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. Each one of us struggles with our limitations and beliefs about ourselves, and most often those beliefs come from the places that we grew up, the caregivers, the thoughts and limitations that society puts on us. But that's not who we are. We are much more than that. We live beyond that. And our purpose in life is to live nothing short of joy. My guest today is Julie Julie Bond Genovese, author of Nothing Short of Joy. And her story is inspirational as she moved through experiences of emotional and physical pain to step into a place of more powerful living and inspired consciousness that is touching and reaching people so that they can change their own lives. You can connect with her at nothingshortofjoy.com and definitely pick up her book so that you can see we are all so very much the same regardless if our circumstances appear to be different. Welcome back, Julie. And I left you with a question at the last break, and it was Mm -hmm. about children. It was about how our children select us to learn certain lessons for themselves Mm -hmm. and how the wisdom that we gain from our own lessons is given to them. How have you seen this played out in in your children's lives? Wow. Well, it's been amazing to me um, watching them grow. When I was a child and other children really found it difficult to look at me initially and not laugh or stare or feel disconnected from me because I looked different. And that was so painful. And growing up, uh, children continued to be the ones who would follow me through the grocery store or um, yell to their mother, look, look, look at the little lady. It was sort of this constant barrage. So I was actually very frightened of children, although I loved being around them and I had a lot of nieces and nephews who, of course, accepted me because they'd seen me from the time they were a baby. So when I had my own children, they, of course, they see nothing particularly odd in me, which is so interesting to see that new and fresh, untampered perspective from them. Um, A few months ago, a new boy moved into the neighborhood, and I saw him out on his bicycle, and there was just some radar in me that kicked in. I said, whoa, this one is a little rascal. And I I just knew there was going to be an issue. And so when I walked outside to, um, I don't know, I helped settle an argument or something, I saw him watching me, and I just let it happen. It used to be that I would try and hide or, 
or stare back so that they didn't have the right to stare at me. But I'd let him look me over, and then he was sort of giggling to himself, and then he turned to my older son, who, who's nine, and said, is that your mom? And he said, yeah, yeah, she's a dwarf. And it just cut the conversation right off because the other little boy was like, oh, so somehow this is normal. <laughs> and the other kids were used to me at this point and my other, the other neighborhood friends. No one was reacting, so he didn't react. And they all went about playing and doing whatever, and I walked inside saying, wow, it sure is different when the children are just raised with this difference or whatever that is. For me, it's dwarfism, but it could be anything. And they helped to remind me that I am, I am just like everyone, my bigger self that they see and know. They don't question that my, even though my body's different, it doesn't make me any less their mother or any less um, beautiful. So they're sort of, they're passing more on to me, I'd say, at this point, um, than I seem to be passing on to them because... <laughs> Yeah, to see life through their eyes and the wonder and the acceptance that they natural ha- naturally have is so, it's just, just a gift. <laughs> it is. I, I do believe that children come into our lives to help us heal. And mm-hmm. one, one nugget that I got out of what you just said is, as adults, it's our responsibility to teach our children to be open, mm-hmm. to let them yeah. understand that when we do see something that does not appear exactly the same as us, whether mm-hmm. it is another person's color or stature exactly. or method of doing something, that it's it's not that we have to point a finger or label it, that we have to embrace it as another piece of who we are because mm-hmm. they're just reflecting another aspect that exists within us in some way, and it's beautiful, regardless yes, of what Yes, I, I often see parents yanking their children away from me because they see that their child is going to openly speak and say something that might embarrass them or something. So I, I wish I want to tell them it's okay. You know, just say, yeah, is it? she's really different looking, isn't she? But she's really just like us on the inside. So is everyone. My, my kids have pointed out wheelchairs when they first saw them. And we, I, my first instinct was, oh, I don't want to insult whoever that is using the wheelchair, but I don't want to yank them away either and make it look as if it's a bad thing that we can't talk about. So we, instead I quietly said, well, can you believe that? That helps him get around because maybe his legs aren't working right now. And, and then my kids thought that was a wonderful thing, and they wanted one. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just it. We have to broaden the mind and really open the heart mm-hmm. to, to every experience that has been uh, placed upon this planet because we're each here to have our own lessons, and mm-hmm. that is something to honor within each individual rather than be afraid of or run from. Yes, or think that it's going to interfere, that people believe handicaps, and they, they called it birth defect. Instead of this wonderful challenge that it is and this adventure, it's, mis, it's mislabeled and it's misconceived as a, a, a bad thing instead of uh, this opportunity to experience life in a, in a different way. You bring up that word handicapped, and a lot of people use that to designate a certain portion of the population that has an issue. But I also saw where you wrote in something that we are all handicapped to a certain degree. We sure are, because this life is it's, it's difficult in many ways, because I think we are. We meaningfully stepped away from our full understanding of who we are so that we could forget and then remember, because the remembering gives us even more 
growth and more joy. So I think it's, it's purposeful, the forgetting, and it's not a bad thing. Um, it's not something to be scared of. It's actually something that's bringing us more and more of our of our spirit, of our, our grander selves. If given the opportunity, is there anything that you would have changed about your life experience? Or do you think it was perfect in the way that it was? Mm, well, as I wrote my book and I saw how many patterns sort of um, came around to help me understand my life, like my the way that um, my family was very silent, was difficult, was painful for me because I misinterpreted it as shame for who I was instead of they really saw who I was and accepted me fully. But because we didn't talk about it, I felt silent myself and, and muted. And that has, though now it's turned into this wonderful desire to connect, to deeply connect, not just about the weather, but about who we really are. So everything turns into a benefit if we just keep looking. So it would be hard for me to say what I'd want to change because then I might not have the benefit as well. That's so true. When, when we change the experiences that we've had, which molded us into who we are, mm-hmm. we would be a different person. Yeah. Yeah, so back then, sure, I would have said, oh, I wanted my parents to have more conversations with me. I wanted them to prepare me for what the, how the world would see me, but that would have changed who I am. I would not have had this incredible catalyst of, of being, having to go inside myself and not depend on what my parents said or how they prepared me, but really how my spirit prepared me and that I was going to learn to find what I needed inside and then be able to bring it out and share it. It would really be my own. Do you have any advice for people that are really struggling to find their their empowerment or their happiness to really step into that place of joy? For me, it was listening to um, teachers who had been through had been through those hard times and found that it it redirects us to the light. There are so many. There are so many teachers out there. Bookstores are full of books with inspiring stories and and even steps, you know, one, two, three steps of how to go from here to there. I mean, someone out there has been through what you've been through. And I've had some really uh, odd situations, very rare conditions, and there's always been someone else that I could find. And really through the Internet, it's been wonderful to be able to connect with someone who knows exactly where I'm at and we can share that and, and, and grieve for as long as we have to about the, how painful it might be and then be able to move on together or, or separately. Either way, we are empowered by how many have gone before us and know that there really is. There is this wonderful life waiting if we just turn in that direction. And no matter how bad it is, we all do survive it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In any given moment, even though I had gone through these traumas and I felt like it was still happening because I carried it around with me, when I sat and realized, yeah, but I'm still standing. I'm still here. And there is hope to really let go of what happened before and expect something different in the future. And that starts to change everything. If we just think if my just changing my attitude is going to start to change the way I see things and then the action I take and the way people treat me, it's a domino effect. And, and joy starts to just dogpile on itself just the way the negativity did. It's the same thing. We can be a magnet for either. It's completely our choice. 
in writing this book, was one of your goals also to bring more attention to dwarfism and allow it uh, to, to be looked upon in a new light? Well, I think that's already happening. Um, the shows, even on TV, I mean, they, they aren't perfect, but they really are giving giving people a look into our hearts and minds. We're, of course, very similar. We're just human, like anyone else. Our clothing, our, our outer trappings are a little different, but we're the same. And, um, yeah, I mean, sure, that's part of who I am. That's part of how I connect in this life is, is through with other little people. And because we've shared such a similar experience, um, it's already happening. So I think I'm just part of a wave of that understanding that each new shape um, and body and skin color and preference, it's, it's really, we're all just different packages, but very similar, um, very similar gifts inside and, and the spirit that's guiding it all. Thank you so much, Julie, for being on 1111 Talk Radio. It's been a wonderful discussion and very inspirational. Connect with Julie Genovese and get her book, Nothing Short of Joy. You can go to her website, nothingshortofjoy.com, and read a lot of wonderful endorsements along with ordering the book. My guest next week is Tricia McKinnon, and we're going to be discussing in a two-part series her new book, which is Jesus, The 30 Lost Years and Mystical Teachings. And it is a fascinating chronicle of the missing portion of time uh, where Jesus is not written about. So I urge you to join in that two-part series and learn a tremendous amount. In addition, 1111 Magazine is now going digital online to serve requests nationally and internationally for people to access it. So please look out for that. And if you'd like to be part of our partner program to help share this message, go to our website, 1111mag.com. I'm Simran Singh. Thank you for sharing this time with me. And until next week, be well. Thank you for stepping into the doorway of conscious choice with 1111 Top Radio. Please join host Simran Singh again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for another enlightening edition here on the 7th Wave Network. Remember, shift happens. Shift happens.